This is In The Zone. That just a bunch of damn bull. You should not have said that. His name has just been spoken. Spoken so must be was broken. Papa. Too late to explain. Bulls. Watch out. Watch out. For the silly bull. Bullseye. <laughs> on the In The Zone Network. City to city, state to state, worldwide. You're listening to the In The Zone Network. This is it. Welcome to the Price Check Podcast. Your host, Josh Price, checking in here today. Um, covering a few different topics as it pertains to the NBA, as we always do. Um, starting with yet somebody else securing the bag. Um, and that's going to be something that you get a lot of here at the Price Check. We celebrate when the bag is being secured. So, uh, starting off today's episode, big shout out to CJ McCollum. Three years, $100 million extension to stay with the Portland Trailblazers. Draymond Green, four years, $100 million extension to stay with the Golden State Warriors. Uh, of course, securing the bag as always. Big extensions for both of those teams. Um, CJ, of course, the backcourt running mate for Damian Lillard and you know, a team that has come a long way from where this uh, or where they stood when both of those players were drafted. And you got Draymond Green, who's been a key member of everything that the Golden State Warriors have done here over the better part of five or six years. So um, kudos to both of those guys for getting the extensions that they deserve. Uh, and both of those teams really looking to uh, solidify their standings out west going into this season and trying to make another run uh, throughout the playoffs. So um, next up for us to talk about here today, as has been talked about here for the better part of a couple weeks now, Mr. Carmelo Anthony who uh, went on first take here a couple Fridays ago and, and really had a, a pretty, you know, candid and open interview with Stephen A. Smith about not only where he feels like his career has gone up until this point, but the fact that he still feels like that he can play. And um, I wrote about this a little bit here last week in the fact that part of me feels bad for Melo. Um, I think he is a Hall of Fame caliber player man has won three Olympic gold medals. He's been an NBA scoring champ. Uh, you know, he was one of the most lethal scorers that we've ever seen grace a basketball court in the NBA. Um, on the flip side of that though, part of his situation is somewhat self-inflicted. So what I mean by that is when Melo got out of Denver he was I think a year or maybe two removed from a Western Conference Finals trip he asked to be traded went to New York got traded to New York the regular season before he was set to be a free agent anyway which means he forced them to give up assets and give up players when he already knew that he was going there Uh, so with that said you can't put all of the blame on New York for not being able to build around him because the players that they had to put around him, he may go to Denver in, in a trade for him. So, um, now I do feel like, you know, kind of how things went down for him in Houston weren't necessarily fair. 
he did only get to play 10 games in uniform for that team uh, and, and to be told that your services are no longer needed would have pissed me off too uh, I'll be honest so uh, definitely can't you know can feel bad for him there but at the same time Melo in, in that system he also has to know what he's walking into uh, Melo's not the guy who's just going to sit over in the corner and, and shoot threes all day. Um, he's a guy who wants to touch the ball, who needs to get into a rhythm. He said that on, on a number of occasions. Um, and playing in the offense with James Harden, with Chris Paul, that just was not going to happen. Um, OKC, it, it was what it was. Um, he needed to go somewhere and try to, you know, prove that he could be, you know, that third, you know, wheel or a third superstar, even, you know, the guy as a six-man off the bench in kind of a Manu Ginobili type of way. Um, and there were times where he looked good doing that, and OKC times where he looked bad. Um, at the same time, you know, we see now, looking back on it, the whole OKC experiment the past couple years hasn't been the greatest thing. So um, I do feel like Melo should probably be on an NBA roster right now. Um, however, I also feel like him simply being on a roster is not really what Melo wants. Melo wants to be on a championship team and also contributing to a championship team. Uh, and quite frankly, there's not many teams with championship aspirations that either have the room for Carmelo uh, or could sacrifice the time it's going to take to try to fit Carmelo into their situation. Um, so, you know, they talked about him going to the Lakers. We talked about him going to the Clippers. Those teams don't really need wings or forwards, things like that. Um, you got a team like the Denver Nuggets who probably could take them, but why? They've got young guys. They've got, you know, guys that they want to mold. They've got a team that they've had together now for a few years. Um, you know, and Pelo doesn't want to just sit on, you know, and be the seventh, eighth man on a team that is in the lottery. That's not where he is in his career. He wants to get a chance to play for a ring and really get a chance to uh, have the success at the NBA level from a win standpoint that he just hasn't been able to have uh, up until this point in his career. So do wish the best for Melo. Do, you know, hope that he's able to land on an NBA roster this season, but I'm not sure that that's really in the cards for him uh, at this point. So for those of y'all who are just joining us, you are listening to uh, yet another installment of the Price Check Podcast with your host, Josh Price. Next topic for us to hit on here, and we'll get to see uh, the NBA schedule come out here on Monday afternoon. Uh, a lot of talk has already circulated about some key games that will be on the schedule uh, this upcoming year, including a list of Christmas Day games, which I believe, if you run the tapes back, we did a podcast with the great Miss Ashley Wright of Sports with Ashley, also sponsored by the In The Zone Network and the In The Zone Store, uh, with myself and Arlington A-Train Lane, and we called this uh, about a month, month and a half ago, uh, that the Lakers and Clippers are probably going to be the primetime matchup on Christmas Day, and it looks like that is going to be true once the schedule comes out on Monday. So um, the other games that are on the slate for Christmas Day as of right now, you've got Boston and Toronto. Of course, uh, they want to make sure that the defending champs get on national TV in some capacity. Um, Milwaukee and Philly, which I think that's going to be a doozy of a game. Um, that is 
probably going to be one of your earlier primetime type of matchups. You got the MVP and Giannis. You got Joel Embiid, Ben Simmons, uh, Al Horford now joining the fold there with Philly. So that's a matchup that, that's going to be very interesting. You're going to see Houston and Golden State from what we're hearing so far. And I'm sure James Harden is chomping at the bit to get a chance to play Golden State without Kevin Durant and you know, seeing how close they were uh, to beating that team in the playoffs with Kevin Durant. So, um, and you also got Russell Westbrook on that Houston team now who loves going at Steph Curry <laughs> for what we see here over the past few years. Um, so that's another entertaining matchup. And then you've also, last but not least, got the Denver Nuggets and New Orleans Pelicans, which, of course, the NBA, they've got to get their prize possession, number one pick, Zion Williams, no TV. So why not do it on Christmas Day? <laughs> but you're probably looking at that being like the last game on the on the slate. So uh, the only other games that we know of or have kind of gotten rumors of so far are the opening night games, which at this point look to be uh, the defending champs, Toronto Raptors, playing the New Orleans Pelicans in the first game of the slate, which... I mean, let's be honest, let's be real. We we probably going to sleep on that one a little bit. Um, but to also be followed by the matchup that everybody's been talking about, the Clippers and the Lakers. So, um, very interested to see what the full season holds and, and what the schedule holds for a lot of these teams. Um, sounds like, you know, the Western Conference is going to be a key feature in a lot of these, um, you know, primetime games and, and, and really big games that are going to get national television coverage throughout the season. So, very interested to see what the schedule comes out as on Monday, uh, but we at least kind of got a preview of some things that we expect to see here throughout. So, um, kind of leading that into uh, another topic here in scheduling uh, things of that nature, NCAA came out with something um, here this week which is a new rule that they have put in place for agents that plan to represent their players. Um, and kind of what I meant by leading in you know, to the schedule thing is that, you know, obviously the NCAA season, NBA season overlap for a period of time, uh, but these agents obviously represent current NBA players and are looking for prospective NBA players to then add to their own rosters. One major agent in the NBA that a lot of people feel like this rule was intended to, um, I guess, keep away from some of these players was Rich Paul, uh, a man who runs Clutch Sports, you know, most famously represents LeBron James, Anthony Davis, among another, you know, among other uh, NBA players. They have now created a rule where if a player is going to test the waters and you know kind of see where their draft stock lies before fully committing to the draft, um, the agent in that case has to have a bachelor's degree. Now, a lot of the response was, oh, now you're trying to keep Rich Paul out because he's been able to manufacture this thing without having a degree and been able to you know kind of get it out the mud, as they say, right? So, um, personally, while I do think they're trying to keep somebody out and keep somebody away, maybe it is other, you know, black agents or, you know, just other young agents, period, who aren't taking the traditional route and feeling like they have to go to school or they have to get a degree in order to make it. Um, I don't think this rule is going to affect Rich Paul in the way that people feel like it will. Um, Rich Paul is not, for lack of a better term, wasting his time with... <laughs> the guys who are just putting a toe in the water and seeing, okay, can I get drafted this high or will I go first round? 
Rich is getting the guys that are going to lottery. Like, that, let's be frank about it. Rich isn't talking to guys that are, you know, oh, I might be a borderline first or second round pick or, you know, maybe I'll get drafted. He's getting your surefire prospects. He's never needed a bachelor's degree to do that. He won't need to go back to school to get a bachelor's degree now to do that. So I, I think it's a very interesting thing that the NCAA is doing um, by basically – looking at the brand that they've set out for themselves so far and trying to now put an emphasis or put more value on a bachelor's degree, which, let's be honest, I've got a bachelor's degree in sports management and I don't work in sports. So how many times do we see that type of theme occur, you know, coming out of college? So you've got, a, a, I guess, an organization now that is looking at this thing as a whole and starting to see that, there are constantly, you know, loopholes or constant loopholes that are getting, um, you know, gone through by these different players, by these agents in order to get the end result that they want while the NCAA technically has to sacrifice because of it. But, again, let's be honest, let's be real, NCAA ain't missing out on no money. <laughs> They're continuing to secure the bag themselves year after year with tournaments, with all these television deals while these players are going to school to get an education but also not receive any of this money or, you know, this monetary value that they actually bring to the organization. So um, it's a whack rule. We're just going to be real about it. But at the end of the day, I don't think it's going to stop the guys who are really talented and really out there making moves in the way that Rich Paul is. So um, once again, you're listening to the Price Check Podcast hosted by Josh Price. Quick shout out for my man, Arlington A-Train Lane, handling everything production-wise here on the show. So um, using Rich Paul as a segue yet again, his client, LeBron James, has been in the news a lot here this summer. And really for things that aren't, I guess I won't necessarily say not newsworthy, but you know, he's been, you know, at his son's games, being a good father, being the sports parent that everybody knows from those AAU basketball games throughout the summer, um, and has taken a lot of heat for it. Um, on top of the heat he's taken for being a sports parent, we recently had his former general manager of the Cleveland Cavaliers, David Griffin, uh, come out in an interview with Sports Illustrated here a couple weeks ago uh, and go on the record and saying that he was miserable in building a team around LeBron year after year in Cleveland. Um, Things were inorganic. And he knew that after the championship that there was no amount of money that could be given to him uh, for him to return to Cleveland. So, to that, David Griffin, I have one thing to say. Or one question to ask. How miserable would it have been had you not had LeBron James in Cleveland for four years because as somebody on the outside looking in and y'all know that I'm a Lakers fan and I'm just through and through I sat for those same four years watching the likes of Brandon Ingram, Lonzo Ball, Josh Hart, hell Julius Randle for a period of time, a little bit of D'Angelo Russell sprinkled into that and just hoping that we could go to the finals for four consecutive years like your Cleveland Cavaliers were doing with LeBron James no matter how miserable you were how miserable would it have been for you to 
not pay Tristan Thompson five years, $82 million in an extension? How miserable would you have been not giving J.R. Smith, I think, three years, $45 million in an extension? Like, it's very easy to point the blame to LeBron and, you know, the way he goes about doing his one-year deals year after year to give himself flexibility as that being a detriment to the team. When, in all actuality, you could have taken the same approach and rather than locking guys into these long-term deals that you cannot move, you could have taken that one-year-by-one-year approach that LeBron was taking and been in a much better spot. Now, to David Griffin's defense, I guess, it's not too many free agents, whether LeBron's there or not, lining up to go live their life in Cleveland. I, I mean, <laughs> it is what it is, right? So, I, I can understand that, but I do also have to say that there has to be more blame put on the likes of David Griffin himself as well as Dan Gilbert, the owner of the Cleveland Cavaliers, for allowing a situation like that to transpire and to take place. You know, you have who at the time that he was in Cleveland and still arguably now the greatest player in the world and one of probably the two or three greatest players to ever touch a basketball court in uniform, you have to be willing to do everything in your power to make sure that he is successful and that your team is successful while you have him. Um, so there were a lot of questionable you know, deals and, and things that um, took place in that time that I have to look back at David Griffin and say, look, bro, you can't put all this blame on LeBron and the way that he wanted to handle his contract situation. Now, true to form, David Griffin came out a couple days later and tried to you know, say that there, were some, you know, con or there was some context missing uh, in his comments about LeBron and about those days in Cleveland. Okay, so be it. But at the end of the day, LeBron took to Twitter not too long after that and said that he's basically had enough. He's tired of it. So I fully expect LeBron to, um, you know, come back and take a lot of what he's hearing and a lot of what has been said on, you know, TV, in the media here throughout the summer as more ammo for him to have a really good and really productive season in a way that we probably haven't seen him mad in a while. So, um you know, there's also everybody taking the jabs at him for, you know, trying to take the spotlight from his son and, you know, at these games and things throughout the summer. He's not trying to take the spotlight from them. Uh, you know, the emphasis has always been on the kids in LeBron's endeavors, right? He's at a lot of these games where the players playing alongside of his son don't have their fathers there, maybe not even having either parent at those games. So he's trying to show that love and try to be that father figure or that parent, you know, parental figure that they don't have in the moment. So I can't knock the man for being out there and being hyped when his son goes out and dunks on somebody or, you know, high-fiving the kids as they make good plays because I know in my days of playing AU basketball, there weren't many parents doing that. So, you know, there's a lot to be said about LeBron and how he handles some things. And, you know, maybe he handles some things negatively. I don't think this situation or his contract situation are two things that you can give him trouble for. So, um, looking at, you know, the 
topics that we've covered here today, obviously, you know, a lot to be spoken on and thought about going into the NBA season as we wind down on the summer here. Um, we will definitely be back over the next few weeks talking through things like, you know, predictions for the different uh, conferences and how those may shake out. Um, talking through, you know, NBA over-unders for my betters out there, or gamblers, I should say. Uh, the folks who want to put a little bit of, of money down on who's going to win and who's not going to win this year. Um, but until then, definitely appreciate all the listens and all the uh, support here at the Price Check Podcast as we've gotten this thing rolling. Um, thank you again to my man, all the A-Train Lane, handling everything from the production side of this. Uh, but until next time, it is your host, Josh Price, checking out.